Radio Gag, the Gays Against Guns show. Prepare to gag, yeah. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Radio Gag, the Gays Against Guns show. Radio Gag is your weekly update on how to end the horror that is the American gun violence epidemic. Gays Against Guns is an inclusive, direct action group of LGBTQ plus people and their allies committed to non-violently breaking the gun industry's chain of death. This includes investors, manufacturers, and the NRA, plus politicians who block safer gun laws. I'm your host, Sean Stefanik. And I'm Sarah Germaine Lilly. Welcome to Radio Gag. This week on our show, gun violence news updates. A memorial at Dr. Susan S. McKinney High School in Fort Greene, Brooklyn. Christina Owen, former human rights commissioner from Norman, Oklahoma. And a conversation with gun violence prevention activists about Youth Arts New York and connecting high school students to awareness and advocacy. And now, the news updates on gun violence and efforts to stop the blood. This is Sean Stefanik. Late Friday, April 28th in Cleveland, Texas, a man walked next door and shot five of his neighbors with an AR-style weapon. Members of the household had asked him to stop firing his weapon in his yard. In Texas, possession of a semi-automatic assault weapon is legal. Three adults, a teenager, and an eight-year-old child were killed. This man likely purchased his weapon legally. Gun violence prevention activists have seen victories recently on assault weapons bans in their states. Washington State and Michigan have recently passed statewide assault weapons bans, and Oregon and Illinois passed similar bans that are now being challenged in the courts. Gun violence prevention groups continue to push for an assault weapons ban on the federal level, and the National Network of Groups Lobbying and Demonstrating has broad support and includes Brady, Newtown Alliance, Gays Against Guns, Change the Ref, and Everytown. There is an expectation that gun safety legislation will continue to be challenged in the courts. Look for future Supreme Court challenges to include arguments about our countervailing rights, including the right to peaceable assembly, free speech, and freedom of religion, which have all been impacted by unrestrained and unregulated rights to bear arms. And now, a local teen lost in Fort Greene, Brooklyn. As a former teacher at Dr. Susan S. McKinney High School in Fort Greene, I knew I had to return when I heard a student was shot and his memorial was to be held last Friday. I know the school has a dedicated staff and I worked with them throughout COVID and after the pandemic when students had lost so much learning. As I climbed out of my car on Park Avenue, a fight broke out and students rushed into the parking lot underneath the BQE. Things wound down and teachers and students had prepared a simple candle lighting for their friend. The teachers and staff looked tired. The principal spoke. The seniors and community members spoke about their loss, remembering the student in order to inspire them to move forward with their aspirations. His mother arrived and a hush fell over the small group gathered in the schoolyard. 
One by one, the students presented her with white tulips until she held a bouquet. We close with Shania Whitehurst singing a song by Rihanna called Lift Me Up. Whether it's in Texas or Brooklyn, these tragic losses of life are too much. I don't understand why we have to feel this way, why these families have to lose their loved ones, why our government and our communities can't keep us safer from gun violence. It seems that a few are favored in our country, and that includes those who profit from the manufacture and sale of weapons. Well, Sean, as I was planning on covering the growing trend of wrong place shootings in this episode, I ran across a post on Facebook by Christina Owen of Norman, Oklahoma. Christina is a parent and a community advocate in Norman, having served on the town's Human Rights Commission. Let's have a listen. Good afternoon, listeners. I'm here with Christina Owen. Christina is the former chair of the Human Rights Commission in Norman, Oklahoma, and also a co-founder of Yes All Daughters. Welcome, welcome to Radio Gag. Thank you for being with us today, Christina. Thank you for having me, thank you so much. Christina is here because I was wandering through Facebook and I saw her post that clearly addresses wrong place shootings. So I asked her to be on the show today to share her Facebook post. And then a little bit later, we'll talk about Yes All Daughters. Christina, read us your Facebook post. Okay. I once accidentally got into the wrong car as a kid. My family came to Hastings for a quick errand. My mom dropped me off at the door and parked. When I was done, I spotted her car in the parking lot and headed over. I opened the front passenger door, sat down, started talking, and noticed I was sitting in a car alone with a man I had never seen. Before I could process what had happened, he threw his car keys at me, put his hands up, and said, You can have the car! He was terrified. I was mortified. I immediately tossed his keys back, apologized profusely as I got out of that car as fast as possible. I was either an older middle schooler or a young high schooler at the time. My mom's car was literally one lane deeper and one car to the right of the one I jumped into. My mom and brother saw everything and were dying laughing. 
I was so embarrassed. They could not stop laughing. My biggest confusion is why this grown man thought that this young teenage girl was carjacking him. It's a story that is occasionally shared with laughs of goodwill. I'm no longer embarrassed by it, although I still don't understand how he saw me as a threat. Now that mistake could end in death by gun violence. Just in the month of April, we've seen a 16-year-old boy shot for ringing the doorbell at the wrong house, a teenage girl killed because her boyfriend and friends accidentally turned down the wrong driveway, multiple people shot because a basketball rolled into the wrong yard, and yes, two teenage girls were shot because one opened the car door of the wrong car. They were shot while she was apologizing. The funny and embarrassing stories of our youth are now deadly. In a country where guns are more accessible than healthcare, what did we expect? In a country that values guns more than children, what did we expect? This country is sacrificing our loved ones on the altar of the NRA. This is not a Christian nation, as some claim. This country bows to the idol of guns, placing the Second Amendment above all other amendments, above all other rights, above all life. Every single morning, I watch my five-year-old go to school, and the second her back is turned for me, Walking away, my gut screams, no, not today. What if today is the day? The day all parents fear and beg and plead in their souls will never happen. But I have to force down that feeling, swallow it down, because what other options do we have? You aren't safe anywhere in America. I've already told my five-year-old that if it's not a drill... If it's the real thing, she'll have to take off her sparkly light up frozen shoes. I've had to explain that she's essentially hiding and her shoes will give away her position every time she takes a step. These are not the conversations parents have with their children in the vast majority of the world. We shouldn't live in constant fear of gun violence. Is this freedom? Being shot for a mistake? Being shot for a doorbell ring? Turning around in a driveway? Opening the wrong door and apologizing? A basketball rolling away into another yard. Are we free to be murdered? Are we free to do anything without the possibility of being shot? Who thinks this is freedom? Who thinks this is what anyone wants? The vast majority of Americans have been clear. We want common sense gun control as a bare minimum. When are our elected officials going to represent us? When will we hold them accountable and vote in the people who do represent the majority of us? They take away abortion for the children. They take away accurate accounts of history for the children. They take away children's sports and pronouns for the children. They close down libraries for the children. But they refuse to stop the death of children by guns. They refuse to stop the death of children by hunger and poverty. 
They refuse to stop the death of children by lack of accessible health care. I live in a state where they would rather indoctrinate the kids who survive K through 12 instead of making sure all of our kids live to see graduation. Every gun in Oklahoma has more rights than I do. Every gun in Oklahoma is more valued than my children. Does anyone else constantly feel like screaming into the void? Where did common sense policy go? Where did decency, kindness, compassion, and humanity go? Where did our peace of mind and neighborly love go? Did they also get thrown on the altar of gun violence? Thank you, Christina, for that powerful editorial that reflects so much of what we're all thinking and feeling. So I was very interested in your work with Yes All Daughters. Yeah, can you tell us how that activism came about? Because I think it's a wonderful part of your story. Yeah, Yes All Daughters, it really came came about very organically. It was a grassroots movement that truly started with the kids at our local high school in Norman. There was a student who had been raped by another student and then subsequently bullied completely out of her school. So she was receiving no education at that time. And it was her friends. It was the students who wanted to have a walkout for her to try to bring awareness to this situation and to help their friend. So initially, those students came to adults that they knew. Uh, Danielle, Danielle Brown was one student who was helping to lead the walkout. And she had turned to her mother and aunt for help for a protest to see you know, what kind of pointers we could give and how we could help to try to make sure this event was done in as safe a way as possible and to just try to get as much attention from, from local Normanites about the situation. So the kids came to some adults to help. And then together, you know, we just started to grow in a living room, coming together to make a plan for a protest. And we planned to have a single protest that day. It was never an expectation of it going further than that. Um, we'd never expected anyone outside of Norman to notice us. Our whole point was just to try to, to advocate for this girl. And in the process, we decided to make a Facebook page, Yes All Daughters. And the history of that name is back then, this was in November of 2014, Back then, there was the trending hashtag, not all men, which most of us are still familiar with. And there was a response to that that was hashtag, yes, all women. So we wanted to kind of use that momentum to try to help get people's attention in our town. So we came up with yes, all daughters. And once we created that page, we received a flood of comments both from people supporting and, of course, bullying and negativity, as you can expect when you're dealing with a case that involves many high school students. So one of the things that I did is I would go through the literally thousands of comments 
to make sure that no one was being doxxed, that the safety of everybody was a priority for everyone. And in that process, we actually ended up finding three more girls who had been victims of the same high school serial rapist. And in that process, we we had more girls to advocate for, to, to really make the case of not only the detriment of what happened to them and the trauma and going after their rapist, which we did, and he was found guilty um, for that case with our original um, high school student who came forward. But this also went on to change policy. We ended up being able to create a position of student advocates at the high schools and now also in the middle schools of our town who are specifically there to help students with situations um, like this should they occur again. We also had a new legislator in Norman who reached out to us about writing legislation to try to help with this situation going forward, which was a surprise to all of us. None of us had ever, you know, written legislation or uh, did any lobbying or anything like that. So this all really started with the concept of a, a protest one day and the momentum just carrying it and other people coming to us to continue that movement and to continue to try to make it where this doesn't continue to happen in our high schools. Christina, thank you so much for sharing this story with us today. It's so inspiring. I gotta tell you, I haven't said this to anyone in a long time, but you make me feel like an American. You make me feel <laughs> proud to be an American. And you know what? You make me want to visit Oklahoma. So thank you so much for thank being you. on our show today. This is Radio Gag, the Gays Against Guns show. You can hear us on WBAI on Tuesdays at 2.30 p.m. or on your favorite podcast platform. Next up, an interview with activists who are connecting with high school students in a nonviolence workshop called Youth Arts New York. Robert Kroonquist, an activist and educator, works with Youth Arts New York to bring special programs into the classrooms of NY City High School students. The students work around the themes of violence and prevention and anti-bullying. They have an opportunity to become activists themselves by sending postcards to elected officials. Good afternoon, listeners. We're here with Robert Kroonquist. He is the founder of Youth Arts New York. Thank you for being with us, Robert. Uh, pleasure to be with you, Sarah. So Robert, can you tell us a little bit about your activism and how you came to start Youth Arts New York? Uh, my activism really started in the anti-Vietnam War movement and the women's movement and the gay rights movement. And our group in California and San Francisco really based our activism on the women's movement. We were pro-feminist gay men. And um, all of that also entailed nonviolent direct action. Uh, so um, I left California and, and moved to New York where I became a public school teacher and taught at Jamaica High School, Queens with a, a grant from the City College of New York to um, do after-school arts workshops with the kids. And I, in order to continue my funding, I created an organization called Youth Arts New York, whose mission at that time was to to 
create experiences in the arts that engage youth in building a peaceful and sustainable future. So peace has always been has been um, central to to the work that we have done. Um, so with the the gun violence, with with gun violence, we look at the continuum of violence from domestic violence to um, rapes in Bergdorf Goodman's to um, to gun violence all the way up the, the 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 line to the ultimate weapon of violence, which is nuclear weapons. And so um, being rooted in the anti-war movement from from the very beginning and the women's movement, which is you know values all life, works in more of a circle process than a hierarchical structure. Uh, Gaze against guns was was a natural. Uh, for me, I want to thank my friend Jackie Rudin to um, introducing me to Gays Against Guns. I have not been wildly active with Gays Against Guns, but I do. Um, whenever there's a call to be a human being, I step forward uh, if I'm available and find that a deeply moving experience. Thank you. I share your origin story. I'm part of that story. So now we're living in this time where we just see uh, we just see violence mushrooming all around us, and our youth are the ones who are left to grapple with that. In this context, what would you hope is the impact, or what what is the purpose of doing this type of workshop with high school kids? We feel like we're a drop in the bucket. We feel that we inspire. We we turn kids on to ideas. We present them with remarkable, joyous people who are activists, who um, hopefully inspire kids to, to move forward. And, and, you know, we did get in this last workshop, a few kids sent us, gave us their email addresses, you know, asking that they, telling us that they wanted to continue to um, be involved. So I don't, no, I guess, I guess it's that I can live with myself knowing that I'm doing what I can to try to create a, a more peaceful and sustainable future. And that I just have to trust that we've inspired some of the kids along the way and that they will become future leaders. Yeah, you know, we have seen you so many times on the streets uh, uh, and uh, we're chanting no justice, no peace. And uh, as I hear your words, I start thinking no action, no peace. That's the way it is for me, because when I hear about these things and try to take them in and process them, I could be sad. I could grieve, you know, but I have to be in action. That's all. That's my therapy. And uh, I encourage other people to do the same. Right, that don't mourn, organize, right? Yeah. Again, it's just like little seeds of hope. I think I, there's not much more we can do. We seed them with the idea that they have a voice and seed them with some tools to amplify that voice. That's what we're about. That's why we're on the radio. So thank you so much, Robert Kroonquist, for uh, being with us today. And thank you for this wonderful program, Youth Arts New York. Oh, th thank you, Sarah. Thank you for GAG and everything you do. Let's take a listen as GBP activists discuss their work with youth.
Well, good afternoon, listeners, and good afternoon to our guests today. Uh, we have activists here who have conducted a workshop with Youth Arts New York. I'm here with Sunny Moon, who is a, a former physician and a gun violence activist with Gays Against Guns and Moms Demand Action. We have Virginia Vitzdum, who works with youth in writing, and J.W. Walker, President Gays Against Guns, activist extraordinaire, yeah, Rise and Resist, the Queer Liberation March. So welcome, everybody. Thanks for being here. Thanks, Thank Sarah. You. Um, Jay, can you just uh, tell us a little bit about what the workshop was like? Sure. New York Youth Arts Organization has been around for years. Robert Prunquist uh, founded it. He does a number of workshops where he, uh, we bring in kids from um, different high schools in um, the area to sort of focus their minds on particularly salient issues that, um, that we're all facing. Well, this most recent one was on gun the second time that we've done this particular focus on gun violence, I believe. And it's something that really resonates with the kids that uh, we bring in. New York kids, particularly black and brown New York kids, you know, have a very, very uh, intimate relationship with gun violence in terms of the effects that it has on their families and uh, their communities. Um, and so Robert thought that it would be a, something really important to add to the existing youth arts program. Um, I guess last year uh, he had the, the first gun violence focused group. Sunny, what was your experience in the program? And do you think it impacted the kids? I hope it impacted the kids, but I think more importantly, the kids also impacted me. Um, one of the things that I wanted to just point out is that it's the kids who are really facing the gun violence issues every day. Uh, this is a generation that grew up with gun violence in a way that I didn't. Um, they're the one, you know, it's now the number one killer of kids. And at a time when it seems very bleak these days, to be perfectly honest with you, with all the shootings, it's very important to talk to these kids because as activists, we need to do that. Um, the other thing I wanted to say is um, the topic that I covered is talking about gun culture and the history of gun violence and that the Second Amendment. And I think what people should remember is that these kids are not stupid and they don't need to be dumbed down when they're when they're the ones confronting gun violence. And what I'm always impressed by is that they're so open and they're smart and they get it in a way that some people don't in terms of the actual facts around gun violence. Great. These are some of the responses from the 2023 Disarm Student Responses. Uh, the category was what I will remember most about today is Antonius's story, as well as the really surprising statistics, the authenticity of everyone who spoke, everyone around me. I felt safe, even if it was a heavy topic. Could you read a few, Virginia? Yeah, and I, I guess I'll just start with like what what how the day unfolded, so you know what the what the kids are referring to. Antonius Wiriajaya spoke first and told his story of being shot and surviving, though barely. And the kids were absolutely riveted by Antonius's story, which is in a nutshell, he's walking down the street of his neighborhood in Bedsty. 
a, a bullet intended to hit a pregnant woman hits him in the chest, barely misses his heart. And as he's bleeding out, um, a man named John comes and stops the bleeding and saves his life. And then Antonius fast forwards to staying in touch with John and finding out that not long after John himself was killed by a bullet in a Southern state. The kids were riveted by this and, and Antonius who's Indonesian was, you know, saying, I know that my death, I mean, my shooting made a bigger news than John, John, who was black. And he acknowledged that. And I think that was an important way to connect with the kids and, you know, that this is, this is, this is your issue. And we get that it is impacting you uh, as young people, black and brown people the most. Okay. So broadly, in the context of violence that we're living in, these wrong place shootings, mass shootings, our lockdown generation, what does a program like this hope to do, hope to achieve? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I'll, I'll go with just, to, just to say that it's really about letting kids know how important it is to use their voices and um, they could, you know, use their voices in, in interpersonal connections within the school system or outside of school if they choose to be an advocate or an activist or to volunteer, um, just to recognize the value of what they can offer um, in confronting these issues of gun violence. Yeah, Virginia. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I wish Robert were here because he really is just one of the most uh, gentle and kind people you'll ever meet. And I think he, uh, his care com comes through in the day. You know, he baked cookies for everybody that he gave out at the end. And uh, I think that that gentleness also gave the kids permission to open up, feel, feel their feelings and, and not um, protect themselves with uh, sort of gallows humor and all the other stuff that we do to get through terrible things. And then also uh, took them seriously and, may, and made them feel a little adult in that, you know, we, we're all gun activists together. And let's all do this thing. Let's all write our senators. Let's engage in the real adult world. And so I, I think the day did that. And uh, sort of like we have in Gays Against Guns with each other, gave them like a a way to a way to connect with each other. Like that this is, oh, this is this is community. If you're with other young people doing something about a problem that affects your life. It, it just improves your life in, in a bunch of ways, including friendships. Hell yeah. <laughs> well, 
Thank you so much for being on the show, J.W. Walker, Virginia Vitzdoom. Um, we'll hear a little bit later from Robert Kroonquist. And uh, our other guest was uh, Sunny Moon. So we look forward to seeing you again. And thanks for giving us uh, inspiration and motivation for taking action. Thank you, Sarah. Thanks, Sarah. You can hear our interview with Robert Grunquist, the founder of Youth Arts New York, on our radio gag, The Gays Against Gun Show podcast on any major podcast platform. Thanks for listening. It's time to end our show. To find out more about working with us, please go to gaysagainstguns.net or follow us at Gays Against Guns New York on Facebook and Instagram or gag no guns on Twitter. Everybody is welcome at any and all gag events. Thanks for listening. And we are back with a new episode every Tuesday at 2.30 p.m. And don't forget, you can listen to our previous shows anytime on the WBAI website or on any major podcast platform. And now we leave you with our fabulous singing quartet. Sing out, Louise. Live from the rumpus room. <laughs> Building a wall between churches and Congress. Making a choice between rightness and wrongness. Taking down tyrants who act like they're kings. These are a few of my favorite things. The right to gather and the First Amendment. Choices I'd rather and thoughts independent. Getting a lawyer when I'm in a fight. These are a few of my favorite rights. When the laws bend, when the feds cheat, and I'm feeling mad. I simply remember the Constitution, and then I don't feel so bad. Marching around when I'm angry with Congress, Shouting them down to make them keep their promise. Going to school feeling safe day and night. These are a few of my favorite rides. When the news sucks, when the jerks win, and I'm feeling mad. I simply remember the Constitution, and then I don't feel so bad.